And it goes for 8, 15, 16, 23, 42. Yeah, the Dharma boys are in the hatch tonight. And you know we're gonna crash like it's 815. Yeah, the Dharma boys are in the hatch tonight. And you know we're gonna crash like it's 815. Hello, and welcome back to another episode of the Dharma Boys, a lost podcast. I'm Vincent Taylor. And I'm Taylor Wilson. We're coming to you live from the island here in the. Uh, Team Jacob from the Twilight Movie Station. Uh, a quick word of warning. This show does contain adult language and law spoilers. Um, really quick before we get into the episode, I just want to make a really quick announcement to everyone listening at home. We have social media, so that's really exciting stuff for us. Uh, you can follow us on Twitter at Dharma Boys. We have an Instagram at Dharma Boys Pod or just on Facebook, the Dharma Boys. So be sure to follow us on any or all of those to get all of the uh, updates whenever we put out new episodes and just uh, keep track of uh, the general going on. Today, we are talking about season one, episode six, House of the Rising Sun. Vinny, what the hell is this episode about, man? <laughs> uh, this episode is about uh, a sun begins to grow hotter and hotter, consuming all life in the world. Eventually the universe swallows everything up until there's nothing left. You just ruined the end of the show for everyone watching. <laughs> and eventually does kill everyone. So that's good. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> this is good. What did you think of this episode this week, man? I liked it. I thought it was good stuff. I always feel a certain kind of deep twang of sadness uh, at, at this episode because uh, these are two lovers that are not in a good spot. They're, no. yeah, they're kind of, I don't know. So first of all, I've, I thought for a long time, this is a Sun and Jin episode. I think a lot of times we just group them together, a Sun and Jin mm -hmm. episode. But when I finished watching the episode today, I realized this is really a Sun episode. Yeah, yeah. Jin's very, uh, Jin hasn't really, um, Jin hasn't become his own character yet. The only thing that we really know is that he's son's husband and he's an asshole. <laughs> yeah, and, and I think that sometimes on the show you see people and they're like, oh, they're kind of a dick, huh? And then you get the first glimpse of their flashback and you're like, ah, okay, I like them more now. They're more understanding. Mm -hmm. With Jin, mostly, not so much in this episode. You kind yeah, of see him. You see the sweet man kind of at the beginning of the flashback when he's a waiter. Uh, and then it just really quickly goes to shit. <laughs> it's just... On, on, on both ends, I think. On the, yeah. when you, the first of the episode in the flashback and the last, you see this glimpse of a real sweetie. And then from then on, you see uh, kind of a douchebag. You see a violent douchebag yeah i i did get a few things uh i think we both did it i was really guilty of it though last episode putting stuff to that episode that happened in this episode because i watched them back to back um, right, right the first I, time so so it's very much like yeah michael and Jin, and there's not really a lot of michael and Jin. i mean it's a kind of building tension but this is where it all kind of culminates in the attack and everything isn't it so We've kind of made these jokes over our recording of these first few episodes about the little kind of feud between Michael and Walt and Sun and Jin. But I mean, I really think there has been a sort of tension building up there uh, just a little bit. And yeah. uh, especially, I mean, I think it's more Jin versus everyone rather yeah. than like 
Michael and Walt as the aggressors, of course, but I was kind of shocked at how fucking crazy Jin goes in this situation. Going yes. back, <laughs> <laughs> he literally tries to drown this poor man in the ocean. And it's, not, I mean, not that, not that, like, what language you speak, you wouldn't be worried about being able to communicate with other people on the island when you were that angry. But also, Jin's fully aware that he can't speak English. And as far right. as he knows, Sun can't either. And he does not care about being clear about communicating anything to anybody on the island. Like, he's going for Michael. And he can't even explain why he's mad. Absolutely. And I don't, I don't think he would care to either, though. I would say that. Like, I don't think he would care to explain. Right. Absolutely. I have been around people before where we had a pretty severe language barrier. I don't know if I've ever been mad at them, but I can't imagine my reaction to, you know what? I'm really mad at this guy. We can't talk it out. I'm going to fucking kill him. It's time <laughs> Just, to kill him. It's the nuclear option, man. But, and what do you uh, think, I mean, what would have happened if Michael had died, if he had killed Michael, if he hadn't been stopped, like that would make for an awkward island got living. Got my watch back, hell yeah. Uh, and got my watch back. Everybody wouldn't lose. I know. We're, I mean, we always jump around. I don't need to apologize for jumping around. I don't think. But when when Jin back, Michael passed that line about like who needs a watch on a damn island. But also, yes. you can watch, bro. Yeah. Who does like who needs a watch on an island? You do. It Michael. doesn't matter. It doesn't. Yeah. <laughs> it doesn't matter either way. <laughs> right. It doesn't matter how much money it's worth, and. I guess it doesn't yeah. really matter in general, but yeah, I mean, it's just funny. It's the whole thing. I guess funny. it is a question of honor, and I don't really know the ins and outs of how that would work in Korean culture, so I'm not going to comment on it. But it does seem excessive. We I see read that in... they were. Go ahead. I'm sorry. No, I want to hear what you got to say. I did read that both of them, both of the actors for Sun and uh, Sun and Jit, were hesitant about the storyline a bit i don't know um uh, just Tell because of the depiction they were afraid of the depiction of korean people to tv like on tv they didn't right. want it uh, they didn't they didn't want it to appear they didn't want korean culture to appear as traditional as the episode might make it out to be right um, with the, the kind of big uh i guess it's the uh that hawaiian temple that they're at at the beginning yeah. yeah um they just didn't want it to come across as sort of this they didn't want korean culture i guess to seem dated in some way or um not forward thinking as far as relationships and everything go they were kind i think like they were nervous the submissive wife kind of thing yeah yeah and i i um or maybe i'm remembering a little incorrect yeah and it was this kind of that they were yeah, they didn't want Sun to not be a strong character. And I think even though um, she chooses Jin in the end, I don't think that doesn't, it doesn't make Sun, a, it doesn't make Sun not a strong character. Absolutely not. It's, yeah. it's very much, uh, she, she really does a lot in this episode. I think that her choosing him is absolutely not a sign of weakness. Um, mm -hmm. we, we see kind of, what Sun is capable of as the series goes on, as the series goes on, and this is a pretty scary situation for her. I think. I mean, her husband is working for her father. We know very little about them at this point, other than he is a very powerful dude, 
Jin comes home working for her dad, and his hand is covered, or his hands are covered in blood. Yep. Uh, I don't think that it ever went down any sort of like violent route. But you know, if your spouse came home covered in blood, and you're confronting them, you might have to kind of worry: Is this guy going to turn on me if I make him too mad? Yeah. Yeah. Definitely. Also, wash your hands, Jin. Yeah, I don't know. You mean He's just walking down the street? <laughs> He's where, covered in blood. Wherever he came from, he went all the way home. You know why he's a real bastard in this episode? More than anything? <laughs> I'll tell you. He gives her a puppy. That's yeah, the worst curse you can put upon another person. <laughs> That's exactly what I thought. Was like, okay, man, well, we got a puppy pretty early in our marriage. Uh, me and you, our marriage. Uh, <laughs> yes. Um, we got a puppy pretty early, man, and. Um, Man, if you want to put immediate strain on something, get a baby thing. Put a baby oh, in there that you have to teach. Also, my wife was home for most of that because she couldn't work uh, for a while. So I basically, I ginned her is what I did. I, I did. I, <laughs> I went to work. Here's this puppy you get to take care of. I'm going to be at work forever. Fuck you. <laughs> like, <I> just, like, <laughs> he does say something like, you'll have to take care of it, of course. And I'm like, yeah, I know. That's like 99% of the whole fucking thing. Yeah. You did the 1% of bringing it here. Thanks you a idiot. lot, bud. Yeah. I, uh, I felt a little more. I love my dog so much. Um, but I, I realized that I was a bit of a bastard man for doing that <laughs> after watching the episode. I well, did. I will I will say, like your dog, uh, the puppy is very cute for what it's worth. Oh, thank you. Yeah, it's uh, Jen did get, I mean, Jen did get a cute puppy. Some probably liked the puppy overall, I'm sure. She probably did. She she made sure that it was looked after when she left. I'm glad, I'm glad they put that in. She's like, will you look after my dog? Yeah, so that's nice. We, we know that the dog's okay. But I like the puppy because it just kind of shows that Jin views, I think, being a good husband as providing for his wife, as material, you know, goods and stuff. He's giving her things. He's making sure that he's a provider, so so to speak. And, I mean, Sun doesn't really care about that. Sun just really wants Jin. Yeah, and I'm not sure that that's even in Jin's nature. I think, like, Jin is... I mean, we have foresight a bit, but Jin is so obsessed with her father's approval that maybe he otherwise wouldn't have been as traditional. Yeah, and, and we see him at the beginning of this episode. I mean, he's he's the waiter, and her dad's throwing the party. It's very much the princess and the pauper kind of thing. Yeah, for sure. And I think that he... I think that he, I don't think that's him forever, but I do think he kind of grows into this person that's more similar to her father. And Jin, her son was never really into being her father or being like her father son was right. not into you know I, and Jin sort of i think transforms into this like he thinks he's doing you're right he thinks he's doing a nice thing for i've been gone a lot at work son must be lonely i'll get her a puppy and mm -hmm. then she'll have someone here with her when i can't be as opposed to just saying fuck your dad let's go yeah like which is what she would ultimately want yeah. yeah. Because son, she she doesn't want to start over. You know, I was thinking about that in that scene where she's getting her instructions to leave the airport at this time and get in the car and then she can start her new life. Son doesn't want just to start over. She she really wants to start over with Jen. And now they have that chance. 
What do you think compels her at the airport to go with Jen? I think it's that memory. I, I mean, I think what triggers it is, is, is the memory of who he was when they first fell in love. And I think that she believes that that man is still somewhere inside of it. It's somewhere inside. Um, I don't really know exactly what was going through her head about what her game plan was afterwards about how can I fix this moving forward. But I, I do think that that love for Jen is ultimately what it was. Yeah. And now that they are on this island, they don't have any sort of commitments to her father. They don't have any pressure. They don't have any fear that someone's going to come after them about this. They, they can start over again together. Yeah. yeah. It's kind of like for a lot of people on the show, yeah, being on a desert island sucks. And on the front end of it, your immediate thought is, I got to get the hell out of here. I got to escape. But for a lot of these people, this is the best possible situation they could be in. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, a lot of them, a lot of them, whether they know it now or not, left a um, worse life than the island. The island will be like sun sun gets what she wants and i don't mean that in like a you know like be careful what you wish for kind of way i think it's a really sun gets what she wants she gets just gin and eventually you'll get the real gin i don't think what we're seeing is the real gin i think gin is just kind of in protect mode and i don't want to excuse because like i said this before and sawyer were both characters that i don't remember hating as during this watch through because I remember them fondly and there must yeah. be a reason I remember them fondly, but we haven't quite gotten there yet. <laughs> even, I don't even know if I remember exactly when the turning point is, but I do know that somewhere deep down Jin is good, even on this Island, you know? Absolutely. We know it and we'll get to see it eventually. Not right now though. Uh, <laughs> this is a good point. I think we're, we're kind of have to have a shorter episode today, folks. We got some stuff going on. So it's a, it's a trim one. It's be a good time, I think, for some tail section trivia. What do you say? Yeah. Cue the music, boys. Boom! Come on, homie, step on up for tail section trivia. These are facts we learned about. That's why it's called trivia. <clears throat> this is the first episode to not feature every regular. Claire's not in this. Uh, we've got uh, Boone and Shannon. They're, I don't think they have any lines in it. I kind of like that. I think the first five episodes or so kind of run together in a way not in a bad way at all but there's we've talked about this a lot there's a lot of little subplots because they're showing so many things happening yeah and as the series goes on series goes on not everyone's gonna be in every episode so this is the first uh this is the the big cave migration episode uh one fun fact about the caves they used rubber gravel at the set um they had real gravel and the crunching as they walked was something that they could not get <laughs> with the audio oh, that's funny. That's so they had funny. To make... i know i imagine that's just a really frustrating thing but you know. but that just means that someone in a studio later with a kiddie pool full of gravel had to walk with everyone just to get subtle crunches as they walked because they would have just been <laughs> squirt, squirt, squirt. So that means that they, they were like, you know what? No one walk on this gravel except the one guy that's going to have to do it for days. <laughs> I feel more bad about the guy who had to put down a 
a metric fuck ton of gravel. And then they said, hey, man, uh, I know we said we were using this for like a year. We actually need you to put it all up right now. So that's where, where am I going to put all this wherever you want, man? We don't care. I, your house sounds fine. So yeah. please move this for us. They were actually bees used in this episode during the like hive cracking scene. They used male drone bees because uh, male drone bees do not have stingers. So oh. they can't sting uh, old Dominic Monaghan. Do you think they still do that? Use actual you- bees or what? Yeah, use actual bees. Probably not, right? Like they wouldn't. I don't think. They I don't know. They. I don't know. I really have no idea how. I mean, if they don't hurt the bees, I can't imagine it would be the worst thing in the world. I guess, so. but uh, yeah, I guess not if they're not hurting the bees. But do you think you could be around a bunch of bees if someone was like, "Hey, they're not going to sting you"? Do you think it you'd depends. be like cool? <laughs> It depends on how authoritative that person seemed to me as far as bees were concerned. If it was just a guy and he was like, oh, they want to sting you, and he didn't, I mean, I don't want to be apprehensive. If he was wearing a badge with a bee on it and maybe some kind of hat and seemed to be a representative, I would probably trust him endlessly. I I would like to let you know that this has been going on since we started the podcast, since the first episode, but every time we talk about an executive or someone official um making the decisions for example that gravel guy um the guy that had to say hey move this gravel and i imagine the same person was also like the bees are fine they're not going to sting you every single time without fail i picture jj abrams in different outfits um whatever is relevant to what he has to do that day um now because you're talking about JJ in different outfits, right? Is this is this something where it's common knowledge that he changes outfits? Is it like a Eddie Murphy in the clump situation? Or is it kind of like a secret thing he does where he's like Count Olaf? Which of these think, do you have in mind? <laughs> I think he thinks it's Count Olaf where he thinks he's pulling off a different character, but literally everyone else is like the kids from a series of unfortunate events where they're all fully aware it's JJ. <laughs> And they keep trying to tell, except everybody else knows. And they're just like, look, JJ's a little eccentric. So you're going to have to do. <laughs> just but it's not. not it's, it's talking bonkers. Don't call it so JJ. He's, he's, dressed like a, he's dressed like a, like a Boy Scout, a wilderness explorer with tiny little khaki shorts and a buttoned in or buttoned up with tucked into his pants. And he's like, the bees aren't going to sting you. Hi it's there. Okay. Nice to meet you. I'm Buzz Huntington. <laughs> Buzz Honeycutt. He just has his different themed names for every fake profession he has. What's up? I'm Brock Graveler. I'm the rock expert. <laughs> exactly. That's what I think every time. Anytime they, anytime you talk about behind the scenes decisions, it's always changing in my mind, delivering the news in funny little outfits. Okay. This is good. This is, will be kind of personal, our, our personal canon. What's great is uh, JJ left the show. Like he wasn't really a part he's not of it. Involved in it at all. <laughs> so he's I want to hear. I'll make that clear too. I am fully aware. Don't at me on it. I know that he's not like it was the first episode. He helped with it and got it off the ground, and then after that was pretty much not involved. Uh, but in my mind, he was. Okay. In and out well, all I the think- time. We'll have to keep an eye out for this JJ character as we go out through the show. I love this. <laughs> I'm going to follow suit. Uh, the last thing I got is just, it's just the episode title, The House of the Rising Sun. 
It's uh, I, I just wanted to bring it up because it's a really, really old song. I'm not really a uh, classic rock, folk rock listener. Uh, I just, you know, I don't, I'm, I'm not against it for anyone listening. But I just wasn't familiar, so I listened to the song today, and I was like, oh, who's the original person? This song is old as shit. It has been covered by the likes of Dolly Parton, Nina Simone, Woody Guthrie. Uh, the OG credit is to a band called The Animals in the 60s, but like this song or variations of it go back. The song is about the city of New Orleans. Apparently the OG song that it's kind of based off of is older than the city of New Orleans itself. So it's only loosely tied in, but I thought that was pretty cool. That's insane. It's pretty wild. The song itself is about two people or one person. I'm not really sure. They keep finding themselves drawn back to this place, the house of the rising sun. Not really clear on what it is. Some people say it's a brothel. Some think it's a prison. But either way, kind of reminds me of Sun and Jin and the way that they are tied to one another. And yep, that has been section trivia. Boom. Boom. Let's talk about some island stuff. On the island this week, everybody continues to be thirsty. Uh, thirsty <clears throat> is in a different way. Because Jack and Kate are flirt city in this. Good save. I actually just the caves, but yeah, yeah, they are. They're flirt city. They are. <laughs> it's. A, I mean, it's it's enough that Hurley comments on it, or no? I think it's Charlie, isn't Charlie, it? Yeah, yeah. Oh, you yeah, have an Charlie. inside joke. Yeah, yeah, and that's cute. Yeah, it's something I, like that. I guess this is the first time I've rewatched the show and realized how hard and heavy they push Jack and Kate in the early parts of season one yeah they're not and i don't i well i don't know if i ever did but this go around i don't find them that it's not charming <laughs> yeah it's not a super endearing thing for me to watch it's not a it's not a jim and pam yeah it's right, not a, right. a leslie and ben you know it's not like you're not um i'm i'm, I'm not rooting for it I mean, it's fine if it happens. I'm just like, all right, I guess if there are two people on this island that, you know, you get bored after six days, then sure, go for each other. But I don't... Huh, it's almost like the writers want, the, want me to like these two hot people boning eventually. Yeah, do you guys want me to want this? Because I don't. Or I do. I, it's just so, I, feel very, I just feel very cold about their relationship. There's nothing about it that's maybe... <laughs> Yes, yeah, so every time you see a cute moment of them on screen, like smiling or joking or touching, your face just turns to a scowl. I look like the Grinch listening to people <laughs> sing. <laughs> so angry. They are. Charlie acknowledges Kate's breast out loud in this. I think a big turning point for the series. Um, and what does he say? The, uh, after they strip down because of all the bees attacking bees? them. Yeah, she he gives he Charlie comes up and so Jack and Kate are now shirtless in front of each other, which Vinny hates. And <laughs> Charlie Charlie brings back his shirt. Uh, he's like, "Does this belong to someone?" And then Kate says, "Oh, sorry." She's like, "It's mine." They were full of bees. And Charlie says, "I'd have thought C's actually." C's. Yeah. <laughs> Man, Charlie would get canceled on that island today. Hey, everybody, yeah. we're canceling <sighs> Charlie. <laughs> this is your impression of Jack. He made a, he made a rude <sighs> comment. He's canceled. Yeah, he's canceled. 
This is fair. Sawyer is someone who has already been canceled seven times, but can't be canceled because he <laughs> simply ignores it. Yeah. So, but, but Charlie, we're rest, given. Rest in peace to Charlie for being canceled. Rest um, in peace. Bre- thank you. <laughs> thank you. I like that Michael. I think it, I, I was one thing that stuck out to me during the conflict between Michael and Jen is Michael bringing up racism. I, I'm not going to dive into that, but I think... I don't that, know how know, things are in Iraq, but Korean people don't like black people or something yes, like that. Which exactly. It, it could be true or could not, but I, I do like that Michael says, I don't know how things go in Iraq. Right, right. <laughs> it's it's almost its own kind of little form of, of prejudice, I guess. But, you know, I, I don't think that they did a deep dive on exploring all these things during the show, but I do think it still speaks to the somewhat progressive nature of the series in general for the time that it took place then. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. I think there's a lot there. Um, I'm sure there are like, I mean, like you said, we, I don't, I don't really feel comfortable commenting on it, I guess, but I don't. Um, but that seems like it is an informed um, detail um, that they would have actually like it's intentional that it's Michael and 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 Jin in that way, and for that reason, I guess you know uh, it maybe right. it could be. And having Saeed as kind of this arbiter, uh, or I don't know if I'm using that word right. He's the one who's trying to kind of divvy up what's going on. Yeah, I, but I think that's important too. Again, like kind of more progressive than you may have given it credit for, even when it was on TV. That right. it's three people of color, um, kind of mediate or you know, two people of color in conflict and another person of color mediating the entire thing. Absolutely. Uh, pretty and, important. Uh, I think so too. There's a comment that really stood out to me that I should have brought up a few minutes ago, but I'm just now reading. And I wrote it down. Jack says to Kate, if I was checking you out, you'd know it. What the fuck does that mean? What is that? <laughs> would Jack's jaw drop down and his tongue roll out like a red carpet and his eyes would shoot out and he would go like, oh, like, <laughs> what, what happened? Would he it's beat a... his table and whistle and howl at the moon? It's just Jim Carrey. It's a deep fake. I want a deep fake of Jack in the mask. Oh, fuck. In that scene with the woman. It's so good. Uh, yeah, that's... Jack's bad at farting, for what it is. As much as, like, say, the thing about Lost that I love, like, I remember, especially as I got older, is, like, there would be, like, really compelling scenes, and they would have these kind of almost, like, they would, they would have you hanging on every word, waiting to hear this really impactful response, and it would usually just punch me right in the gut, and I'd be like, God, it's so good. The writing is so good. That said, there are times where certain lines are uttered on this show, and I'm like, what the... What the fuck is that? No, <laughs> what the hell does that no mean? One, no one will ever say that ever. I'm gonna start saying it all the time. We um, start using lines like this uh, every day. Using a line from the check, show in our general. If I was I'll checking check. you out, you'd know it. That wouldn't go over well. Also, is Jack trying to get laid? Because like, I don't know. You're just pushing her away, dog. If I was yeah. checking you out, you, I'm actually not checking you out. I no. Find several people on this island more attractive than you, Kate the criminal. Go away. <laughs> I guess that's a good point. <clears throat> I do think that this show is a lot less horny than it would be in real life, but 
I'm not gonna go do it. <laughs> yeah, you're probably right. <laughs> I mean, I'm. See- I, it, it would not take 24 hours, man. It would. No, for some people, people absolutely not. Bones. Yeah. So, the Adam and Eve, we saw them. They're actually in this one. They are. They are in this one. Uh, I don't know what's going on with them, but I'm sure we won't have to wait till the third to last episode to find out. So, no, definitely not that one. Much sooner. They're only 40 like, or 50 years old. Yeah, only. And um, probably not important at all to the show. But what I, what? I had a question. I had a question. I feel like usually I just have notes, but I have a question this time. Would you rather go to the caves or the beach, man? Cave 100%. Okay. Fresh water, okay. shelter. It's probably cooler in there. Hell um, yeah. Looks like there's some rocks for privacy. Where yes. is anyone? Um, where is any, where is anyone on the beach making? Do they make in the woods? Do they? Is this, this is your way of saying shitting. Yeah. Are they? <laughs> I mean, I, I know that uh, Son, Jim, Michael, Walt all love walking in each other in their fake bathrooms, but I feel like yes. that would. A hundred percent be better in the caves. Yeah, absolutely. You could make a good cave toilet. I, I mean, you I don't could. think it would be, I don't think it would be very complex or very pleasant for anyone else to be near at all. But <laughs> wait, are you? What are you imagining now that I've said that? Because now that I've said it out loud, I'm imagining some like fucking Fred Flintstone shit. Um, I imagined carved rock in the shape of a toilet seat <laughs> that they put over the water stream and everyone just dumps their piss and shit into this hole and it just, they're like, don't drink past this line. This is where the piss is. That's people's water now. <laughs> they didn't want to come to the caves. They could eat shit. <laughs> so fucking dumb. Oh. <laughs> I would, I, I would go to the caves as well because of the cave toilet. Um, but really, I don't think I'd have a choice, man. My skin is white, as and I, when I say white, I mean the color of milk. And I think I would die in the sun. Um, yeah, I mean, I don't know how anyone survives. No one on the island is pale though, except for Claire. And Claire's always yeah. kind of under something. She had Claire's protected by having a floppy hat, and that's kind of that's that'll do. So. <laughs> just fun it is um I, I, what do you got i did want to touch on this uh charlie's heroin addiction is finally like someone knows um, yes that's a big deal um the this is also the beginning of lock lock i mean like look i don't think charlie should be taking all the heroin he's taking but lock being like hey i'm a fan of you and i'm gonna hold your guitar hostage unless you admit to me that you're taking heroin and <laughs> if you the are heroin. taking the heroin give me the heroin like Sorry, my dog's a my dog's a big uh, John Locke fan. So. <laughs> He's it's mad at you. <laughs> don't talk about him. <laughs> but yeah, I do. I mean, there's not much. I don't have much to say on it, but um, it's the beginning. Uh, you can. There's got to be more to that, I guess. Locke is at times a really wise and wonderful guide of sorts, and other other times, in his attempts to be that person, is. A giant prick. Um, I don't know which one of those he is in this moment. I don't think I would go so far as to say he's a bastard, but I totally get where you're coming from 
But one thing that stuck out to me was Locke. This is some, I think this is the first time that this notion of sacrifice comes up on the show. You have to give the island something is what he says. And I was thinking about what does Locke give the island himself? And I was thinking about it. And for a minute, I almost thought this guy's a hypocrite until I realized Locke has resolved to give his entire self to the island. He has decided I'm going to do whatever the hell you want me to do. I'm all yours, baby. And I'm sure that, I'm sure a bit of it is that he, as far as he can tell, is the only person that has experienced something positive from being on the island. Yeah. And now I think he's kind of made it his mission to identify who's next. And Charlie may have just been the easiest target because he's an addict. Ah, I guess that's a good way of thinking of it. Yeah, he's, he's, he knows that as far as he knows and how he feels, this island is a place that will help you ultimately. And yeah. he's maybe going to try to lead people down that path. I think it's kind of cool that at the end, as they kind of have that kind of solemn montage, the group is divided for the first time, and that a lot of people are kind of coupled up. Jack and Locke sit by the fire, kind of adjacent to each other. They don't really talk, and Jack's kind of staring off, thinking about Kate back at the beach. But I did think it was interesting that they sort of visually speaking coupled those two together. Yeah, it is um, the real man of science, man of faith type moment. They get him set up. <clears throat> um, <laughs> the only thing is, I, I, I had two more things, man. And, yeah, uh, hit me. Michael's out chopping bamboo in the forest with an axe. Yep. Have you ever noticed that on Lost, like, if they don't really know what a character needs to be doing, they send them out into the jungle to dig or chop things? For no reason. There will be times on this show that I will that that you that we will see. Like I'm pretty sure it's Saeed and he's digging, and I have no fucking clue why he's digging. What he's digging for? <laughs> he's just digging in the ground. He's looking for gold. I guess it's the only stress relief you have. That we're looking for gold or Jumanji. What would you do, Jumanji? What would you do? I mean, like I guess you just got to chop stuff, dig stuff water mm. i mean it's got to be i mean back then they didn't it wasn't it wasn't like everybody had social media and i you know like um or smartphones so you're probably not filling time with you're probably filling a lot of time but not in the same way that you would have to replace that now you know i mean that i guess people were selling their phones and stuff a lot but there's like a uh there's a culture shift. So I feel like it would still, it was still, I guess what I'm saying is you have to fill your time somehow. You have all this time all of a sudden and no sense of purpose. So what are you going to do? Yeah. I guess so chop, and, chop and dig. And Sawyer, right. Sawyer reads. No one else does. They're all stupid. He's the only educated man. This, uh, this episode divides our castaways for the first time in a really big way. And something happens again and again throughout the series. But um, Kate, it's very kind of uncomfortable at this notion of living in the caves and she ultimately stays. And I guess I just chalked it up to Kate as we get to know her. We'll see. She just has this need to run. And I think Kate thinks that, you know, I got to get the hell off of this Island and be one of the first ones on that rescue boat. So I can, you know, slip away, get out of here. I'm not really sure what it is. She seems oddly upset. Did you have any takeaways on that? Yeah, I um, I mean, I think that 
I think that she's had this connection with Jack, um, and she may have felt rejected just in the way that – I mean, I know they were flirting, but Jack has not given her much to really, like – I don't know why you would even be looking for this, but I, I think that Kate – finds herself getting attached to someone and doesn't want to get attached to anyone because when she gets attached to people, maybe that's when things go awry. I mean, when we see her in that flashback in Australia, she is attached to this older, like this man. And I mean, he sells her out, you know, and there could be more to that in her past that she's just being constantly sold out. And um, maybe she just doesn't, she has a feeling of maybe some sort of vulnerability with Jack that she doesn't quite mm -hmm. want to give into. So she runs, you know, and she pretends like it doesn't exist. And maybe that sort of um, divide in her feelings causes her a bit more emotional, uh, you know, stress. Very well said, man. I a hundred percent agree. Thanks. Well, I think that's going to do it for us. What would you rate this episode? Man, I'm going to give this episode a... I'm going to give it four golden watches out of five. Okay. All right. I'm going to give it a three out of, uh, three out of five. It's not yeah. an episode that I dislike in any way. Um, it's just a little slower for my taste. There's not a lot that happens. I found myself putting kind of struggling to find enough to discuss in some ways in the on island episodes and that's yeah. okay so you just got to sit back and take a breather and i mean there's a lot of good stuff with the, the flashbacks and the character stuff so um but yeah i'll go with three out of five all right sounds good you got a numbers watch yeah numbers watch yeah we can do that real quick actually this is quickly just becoming numbers slash nicknames watch let's do it cue the sound so the first number that we see, um, well, I guess, uh, in case you don't know what this is, Numbers Watch is where we point out all the significant numbers that are on the show. They are 4A, 15, 16, 23, 42. Uh, the first one that pops up I noticed was that uh, Charlie says that he hasn't played his guitar in eight days and like 11 hours i think or eight days and six hours or something eight eight days mm. um son is also supposed to meet uh at the airport at 11 15 mm. mm, that's a 15 and that is the end but uh sawyer does call saeed omar and captain falafel mm. <laughs> again killing it with the nicknames king of the nicknames we love this man. I love well, him so much. Yeah, everybody. I think we love you so much. We love you, and thank you for listening. Thank you so much. Uh, yeah, thank you. Uh, <laughs> shall we do the 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 thing where we end the show? Yeah. Um, That's good. I forgot. Thank God for editing. Uh, Guys, just a reminder, please do hit us up on social media. We'd love to get those follows and those uh, those clicks. We cannot get enough of these good, good clicks and likes. We eat them like food. It's beautiful. That's Twitter, at Dharma Boys, Instagram, 
at Dharma Boys Pod or Facebook, The Dharma Boys. We'll be posting about every upcoming episode, and we'd love to hear from you. So thank you. All right. Thanks, guys. And namaste. <laughs> we will get that eventually. We did it. We did it. <laughs> Success. All right. Yeah, the Dharma boys are in the hatch tonight, and you know we're gonna crash like it's eight one five. Yeah, the Dharma boys are in the hatch tonight, and you know we're gonna crash like it's eight one five.